Welcome back to Following Nodon, a Stormlight podcast. This week is episode 143, and we're beginning part four of The Final Empire by Brandon Sanderson. Chapters 26, 27, and 28, for those of you reading along. And just as a quick reminder, last week we launched a shop, followingnodon.shop. You can go and browse anything, almost anything, that your heart could desire there. Um, we have anything from flags to posters to keyboard, mouse pads to phone cases to puzzles um, and much more. So go browse that. You can use the code SUB1000 for reaching 1,000 subscribers on YouTube and being there before that happened. Use co code SUB1000 for 10% off when you hit checkout. Paul, how are you? Oh, so good. Actually, slightly not as good. I'm starting to feel a little bit under the weather this week, but I'm excited to talk about Stormlight. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh up. man, hold up. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm not. We're not talking about Stormlight. I'm excited to talk about. I don't know. Uh, metal. I'm excited to talk about metal with you guys this week. Um, and yeah, I, I'm really excited for our store. I'm honestly really excited to just have a way to to kind of grow and also like just provide gifts and things in the future um, for people. I'm really excited. So that uh, code once again is sub one zero zero zero. I think it's how many zeros are in a thousand sub 1000. Um, sub just to kind of triple zero. Yes. Just to kind of honestly benchmark this. We've been doing this for about three years and we're really excited to have a thousand subscribers, which if you watch much on YouTube, you probably know that's not much. But we're really excited. We have a really loyal group um, who we get to talk with in our Discord, and it's been a ton of fun. But without further ado, I I'm excited to talk about this week. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Ellie, how are you? I'm excited. To... Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I'm having a blast talking with you guys about uh, about Mistborn. I, I love how much our channel and community has grown. Like, it instantly as soon as we started Mistborn, there were a bunch of you out there that were just obviously waiting for that to happen and have have jumped on on board and been popping in the the discord and chatting with us about that so i am i'm having a blast that's good let's roll the intro and talk about Mistborn. and talk about Mistborn. All right, Elliot, uh, what happened at the beginning of part four? At the beginning of part four, through chapters 26, 27, and 28, we just came off of a rather crushing blow to our uh, heroes here. Their army got squashed by the, uh, the Empire, so they are kind of licking their wounds and, and recovering from their losses here at the beginning of, of chapter 26. They end up going to some public executions. The uh, the Lord Ruler rolls out like hundreds of random ska and uh, executes them all rather brutally in the middle of this square. Yeah, um, rather rather gruesome. Uh, the Lord Ruler is there. We get a brief glimpse or kind of glimpse at the carriage that's that's carrying him. There's the the nobles. The nobles are all there, kind of our crew is there just kind of watching on. 
not a not a pleasant scene. Interesting note in there, they they notice that uh, the Lord Ruler is soothing the entire crowd. Yeah, hundred thousand people all watching this, and the Lord Ruler is impacting the emotions of every single one of them. Very powerful. After the executions, the crew has another little powwow. They they meet back and they they decide that they still have to go through this plan and that they're going to move forward with it despite the the losses that they've they've suffered they still have to try and overthrow this oppressive government that is uh, pushing them all down kelsier talks specifically about potentially one of their remaining hopes in the 11th medal comes back up and kelsier talks about how he plans to figure out how to use that because he still hasn't figured out how to use that to uh, specifically bring the Lord Ruler down. In other Alimantic news, we get to learn about the, what I think is the final Alimantic medal in our puzzle. The ninth medal is gold. And we learned that when you burn gold, because Vin does it, because she's, of course, Vin and has to try it, that you get to see alternate versions of yourself. Yeah. Um, it's a rather rather curious power, somewhat related to ATM, but uh, a very uncomfortable experience to kind of have a little bit of kind of out-of-body experience seeing yourself not pleasant. Shortly after that, Marsh checks in. He's apparently a full-on obligator at this point with uh, tattoos and all. He's got the full-on permanent tattoos on his face of an obligator. So he's he's all in on, on this ruse for sure. He shares a couple bits of information. He shares that the ministry is using soothing stations yes. throughout the city to actively suppress the emotions of the populace at large. So a, a rather widespread implementation of Alamancy there. In our final chapter. Vin goes to get another ball and starts to actively spread misinformation. She's planting information here and there. She has more conversations with Ellen. Ellen shares a rather interesting secret in that his house venture is apparently responsible for the ATM mining op operation. It's not just Lord Ruler. It's actually house venture that controls the ATM. Ellen specifically wants Vin to leave the city for her own protection. He says things are getting bad. People are getting killed. Houses are falling. The house war that Kelsier has been trying to start is apparently starting. Ellen's very worried about it. He, at the end of the chapter, has a, a meeting with his father as they talk about the different things they're going to try and do. And then there's a brief mention of a Chandra there in the, the room with them. And that kind of wraps up. A lot of stuff packed into three chapters. There is quite a bit packed into three chapters. I really appreciate you doing those chaptery ch chaptery summers for us. Um, and those of you listening who have you know read Mistborn e either a while ago or maybe recently and don't re remember specifically what happens in specific chapters, I will thank you for on behalf of all of them as well. Um, I know that's like four or five minutes straight of just talking by yourself so um yeah in chapter 26 there's very public executions which if the reference if luthadel being a if paris being a reference point for luthadel 
was not obvious already. Um, public display executions, beheadings specifically, very reminiscent of the French Revolution. Um, and so, except for this one, it's the, the Lord Ruler, quote-unquote, is still in charge. It's not a revolution happening. It's a demonstration. Um, so it's just yet another reminder of how bad society is in in Luthadel. Paul, what do you think of... There's a guillotine. Yes. Paul, what do you think of the public ex execution scene? I had mixed feelings about this. Well, no, I mean, not really. Like, I, I don't... Mixed feelings isn't... I don't know what to do with this scene. It's okay. obviously very, like, disconcerting. Like, it's very appalling and sad and everything, but I don't... I mean, I was agitated, but I, I didn't I didn't know what to do with it, I guess. I guess it just shows more so the, like, system that Kelsier is trying to uproot. Um, I don't know. I, this, I mean, in all honesty, like, this was probably my least favorite of the three chapters. Um, Does it sell you on Kelsier's goal, though? Kelsier uses it as an example of this is why we need to continue fighting. We, we're at such a low at the end of part three of it, we cannot see a way forward without this army. And Kelsier says, I don't care. We're going to continue forward and we're going to figure it out because of this, because of what's happening. The, yeah, I th does it sell you on that? I don't think it really does for me. I don't see the, how they're going to proceed. I I kind of agree with you. So it's it's like a refresher, but... This isn't the nail in the coffin for me of, oh, it is bad. I, I do like Kelsier's goal. Like, from the beginning, from, like, the prologue, I've honestly been on Team Kelsier. Right. You know, we've we've questioned his ethics and a lot of the things he does. But ultimately, I am on his side. I think he's in the right. Like, it is obviously a very corrupt system um, and all the things. So this didn't really have as big of an impact as I feel like it could have or maybe should have. Um, which is kind of ironic after last week I was like oh Ellen's only killed one Ska oh no like you know I kind of made a big deal about that um, and how that was a bigger deal than it's presented right Um, but yeah I, I think the at least for sending a point home I think that has already been done thoroughly so this is more so just like fuel on the fire I, I could see this as being almost like an, an if you look at that scene on its own, it seems like it could be like an intro to a Sander Lanch of like providing the reasons why our heroes are like diving in kind of thing. If that makes sense. It's, it's, it draws an initial emotional reaction. What about for you, Elliot? Is it, is how dire the scene is change anything for you? I don't know that it changes anything. It, it seems like it changes something for our characters in the story here. They seem like they might have been on the verge of giving up. And then when they see this, which is kind of ironic, it seems like the Lord Ruler was trying to use it as a scare everybody back into submission. And yeah. what he actually did here was kind of galvanize the, the crew back into action. Um, I think for me, it, it maybe just is a bit of a reminder of what we're dealing with. I was actually, it made me think of, or it maybe compared to the the journal of the Lord Ruler that yeah. we're getting bits and pieces of through the, the epigraphs and through you know some of the body text in the chapters. Those those excerpts seem to maybe hint at a 
like the Lord rulers misunderstood or something like that. It seems to maybe be going down the path of like, well, he saved the world. Therefore we should extend him some grace. He deserves to be in charge. You know, all of, all of those types of things. He, he paid a, he paid a terrible price to save the world. Yeah. He's a little disturbed, but at least he saved us all. I, there's still more information to come there. So we'll see what kind of twist we get at the end of, of that perhaps, but where where those journal excerpts seem to be maybe leading us down a no the lord ruler is is a good guy stuff like this is your very visceral reminder he is not a good guy yeah that in in the logbook or the journal or whatever it's called there's a specific line the one that stuck out to me the most is he's writing to him about himself and he says if I ever lose the sympathy for one death, I've lost my way. And then he cut to this scene, and there's he's using hundreds of Scott deaths just as a reminder to people don't rebel. He certainly lost his way by his own hand. Um, it, because he claims, I need to value life so heavily no matter how much power I get. And then it cut, jumps forward a thousand years to this scene. He, he's... He's no longer the person who wrote the logbook. And I'm I'm very curious to see if we're going to get scenes in the future, maybe even not in this book, maybe in later books, of you know with with the Lord Ruler himself, get to interact with him and see what is what does he really think, where is he really at mentally, and in all of this. I'd be curious if I, I have theories that that maybe there's something more at play. But if we if we take things at face value and say. This really is the Lord Ruler from the very beginning. This is, he's immortal. He can't die. He lives forever. Are we going to go down a path maybe of this is the this is a consequence of immortality? Like the fact that he's been alive for a thousand years means he's lost appreciation for what life even means. Right? Has he has he gotten to the point where he's sacrificing and just kind of casually throwing away the lives of everyone around him because he doesn't he's lost his perspective right. he's existed for too long and he no longer even relates to the world around him like i could see that being a direction we go in yeah another thing in this chapter vin points out her father to kelsier and kelsier says that's your father i know who that is Apparently he's the guy in charge of the obligators or the guy he's an obligator who's in charge of the ministry. There's a distinction there that I don't remember the specific of, um, but the obligators in the ministry are not one in the same. In fact, sometimes they're even rivals. Um, but um, Vin's father is an obligator who has ties to the ministry or is in charge of the ministry. I don't remember which one. Um I took it as like he's the head obligator. He's yeah. the uh, of all the obligators, regardless of where they fall in the, the the politics, he's the the top. Which is interesting that he uh, is the father of Vin because the obligator's whole job is to hunt down people like Vin. So for him to yeah. let something like that slip um, is interesting. Yeah. It was very suspicious. Very suspicious is, indeed. Is Reen her full brother? That's a great question. I don't is know if ever... we know. I think, I think we... she just 
I think we do know. We didn't, or maybe Rean points out her father as their father, right? Uh huh. Which would imply that their father is like Vin is not a one-off mistake. There, there's a a right. sheltering there that's an active sheltering there because Vin even re maybe. references a younger sister at one point who's no longer alive. I remember that. Anyway, I th there might be more than I'm thinking there. Just wanted to bring that up. If, if they're full siblings, then there's an active, like, like it's not just a mistake that Vin is still alive. There's a whole family there that is alive. Or should be alive. Anyway. Um, Suspicious indeed. Anything else for 26 before 27? Okay. Um, gold. We get to burn the ninth medal, which is gold, while we're waiting for Marsh to show up. And do we know what the tenth medal is? Is that ATM? ATM. Yeah, it's okay, ATM is the tenth. So, and then the eleventh medal is the eleventh medal. Um, yes. Big old mystery there. So the ninth medal is the one we skipped. Apparently, it's gold. Um, mm -hmm. and we and gold's ability is you can see alternate versions of yourself. I don't know how I feel about this. Seems seems so, weird. Yeah, it does seem weird. But I, I actually want to talk about this for a second. So it sounds like it's they're not really sure. I think Kelsier's words are effectively someone wise told me that he believed that you are seeing alternate versions of yourself in where they may be if you made a different decision in life. You don't know what decision, but just some alternate version, some like alternate reality, I guess, of yourself, which is really interesting. And the whole time I keep racing of like, what can this be used for? Can this be used for anything? Like, yeah. And I, I was really curious to get Elliot's thoughts of, of did this make your mind race at all? Or did, were you just kind of like, Oh, that's really weird. And kind of move on. I, I just had one theory mind race thought that, that popped in into my head, which I'll talk about in just a second. But before I do, I want to point out the, the disconcerting nature of burning gold. Vin has a really negative reaction to it. Yeah, She comes out of it and says to herself, I will never do that again ever. Yeah, Like, wow, that was, that was a really uncomfortable experience for her, which I think I was a little bit confused as to why, but I think it seemed like it was just tying back to the whole when she kind of when, when she's burning it she almost like splits herself into these two people where she's she's feeling like the emotions and thoughts of both of these people at the same time yeah which i guess just that's the the disconnect or or that's the part that's really difficult for her to reconcile i don't know i wasn't quite sure why that was such a negative reaction the theory or the thought that kind of popped through my head was yeah same question what are you what are you gonna use this for? It doesn't seem like a something very useful in battle. It doesn't seem like something very useful in general. The only thing I could think of would be like if you were trying to convince someone that they're wrong, if you could get them to burn gold, could that maybe help in showing them that they're wrong? Like okay. if, if they could see an alternate version of themselves and feel 
the emotions and have the thoughts, maybe even the memories of an alternate version of themselves. Could that be a very convincing way to tell someone what you're doing is incorrect? That, but, but I don't know how you get someone to burn gold. Like, right. you'd have to be really convincing to say, hey, you're wrong. I know you're wrong. Do, do you want to burn gold so that you can convince yourself that you're wrong so that I don't have to? Like, it doesn't seem very practical. That's the only possible use I could think of it. I triple dog dare you to burn <laughs> this gold right now to prove a point. And also, like, that the fact that the, like, extreme majority can't burn metal at all much less like people yeah. who can burn gold you know being able to do this I, right is there a misting that can only burn gold i just I mean we haven't so as far as we know we haven't seen one right now but i mean you would assume so or if we know that to be true for the others right do mistings only count for the lower eight metals and once you get into 9, 10, 11, there's no mistings? Or at least we just don't know about them because they don't have access to said metal? Yeah, we know ATM to be, like, ridiculously scarce right. and ridiculously expensive, so we assume people aren't going to try. Or, or, or even, like, we learned from the beginning with Vin that she uses her, what does she call it, her, like, luck? Is mm -hmm. that what she calls it? Yeah, she calls um, it luck. It's soothing at the time. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, it is. But using like trace metals effectively, right. like trace metals of things she's just passively ingested in life. And I'm assuming that wouldn't really be the same for ATM and gold since they're so rare and so like expensive that you're not just going to like have that. I could be wrong, but yeah, it'd be hard to discover if you're a, a gold misting. Right, right, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, only being able to burn gold would be unfortunate. I feel like. <laughs> <It'd be> like <laughs> All right, I, guys, I'm gonna go reflect. Y'all have fun. <laughs> I I rolled a one. That's unfortunate. I, I... <laughs> Marsh shows up, got his obligator tattoos on, and I feel like the only real big mic drop we get in this scene is. I now know that the ministry has underground soothing stations all over the city, specifically in Luthadel, which is actively suppressing the ska at all times, um, which I feel like has actually pretty big implications on how the Lord Ruler keeps control of the city. If, and if you could somehow take those down, you might be able to get the ska to... You might be able to motivate the ska, which has been a huge problem for the rebellion for you know a thousand years. Is you really can't motivate ska into rising up. But if somehow you were to take down these soothing stations, maybe that would get you somewhere. Yes, or even go to the extreme if you could build up your own network of riot stations. Yes, good. You could not only remove the the suppression you could maybe even incite a literal riot in a similar method but again we get into some very morally gray areas and discussions in in that zone but yeah if you really want like a full-on ska rebellion definitely seems like those those soothing stations would be a place to start 
Although as soon as you start like attacking those, they're going to know what you're doing. And yeah, I don't right. know how you do that. Right. Anything else from 27? Not too much in there, so I don't think. I do have one other question. And I had this thought, and I think it's just a really, really stupid thought. Okay. Um, so we see that Marsh has gotten these like initiation tattoos. Is there an is there a way that this could like kind of control him? Like, it, are there trace metals in? T- I don't have any tattoos. Or is there tra- like this sounds like a really stupid question? I, I apologize do. in advance. Is there like trace metal in tattoos? Like, I know it's ink, right? But right. like, could could it have an effect on him? The tattoos themselves. That was where my mind went because I was like, "Oh no, something bad might happen." But I don't, I don't know if that's possible, or that may seem really, really like far fetched. So it's okay to like disregard that. But that's what I was thinking. You're just asking if there's any like actual function, or could there be any actual function to these tattoos as opposed to just cultural? Yes, yes, as opposed to just like a symbol. Right. I don't know. Maybe the tattoos are covering up something that does have repercussions. Well, that's a stretch. See, mine was at least uh, realistic, Trevor. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. A lot of a lot of metals are actually poisonous to our bodies. Yeah. Like if you if you have metal like in contact with your bloodstream for extended periods of time, that that can actually be a big problem for a lot of metals. So my my first thought would be no, like impregnating your skin with trace amounts of metal probably not going to go well, but I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. That's the answer to your question, Paul. One other note that Marsh drops here that I th- I think was not that important, but Kelsier seemed to think it was important, and that was he apparently has gathered information that the Inquisitors are not immortal. Mm. They, they, they do age, they do die, and occasionally they do bring in new Inquisitors to replace the old ones. I guess that did not come as a revelation to me. I wasn't under the impression that they were immortal, but apparently Kelsier was, and he thought that was useful information. I don't know if that changes anything. but uh, I'm with you. I don't understand the punch there. I Actually, I'm different. I, I thought this was actually really impactful. One is a note of... Marsh is kind of gaining trust. Like, right. it, it's it's not much fruit, but it's some fruit from this. Of, I mean, the conclusion he draws is, if they can die from old age, there must be other ways to kill them as well. Right? Which is, I mean, it just stirs up a little bit of hope. It's not much. But I actually took this as fairly significant. You know, not groundbreaking, but um, noteworthy. The... The only other thing, I think I just said that that thing was the only other thing, but here's the only other other thing (laughs) that I noticed from this chapter was Marsh talks about the fact that he's apparently too good at being an obligator. (laughs) Like he he, he came into this, you know, thinking that he was going to be at a disadvantage to the, the initiates that have been training for this their whole life. And apparently they don't know as much as he thought they did. And so he's actually been like a little too smart in his classes and stuff that he's taking. And so he's getting noticed a bit too much and getting, you know, a lot of merits or congratulations or, or additional responsibilities that he wasn't really intending to. So I thought that was kind of funny. Also some unwanted eyes. He's like, I don't want this much right. attention. <laughs> right. 
and also having to be careful, right? There, there might be things that he knows that an initiate into the obligator school should not know, and so he could potentially slip up there. Right. I if if I was to be a member on Kelsier's crew, I think Marsh's job is probably the last one I would yeah. volunteer for. Yeah. Just I'll throw that out there. <laughs> That's fair. All right. Last chapter. Vin and Ellen attend a ball. And Paul, I have a question for you in the Roshar Stormlight segment. Um, so put a pin on that. But um Ellen very quickly in this chapter is just straight up telling Vin, you need to leave. You and Lord Renew need to retreat back to whatever dominance they say they're from southern or eastern or I don't remember. Um Luthadel is not a good place to be right now. You you need to leave. Um because you don't have any house allies, people could see you as a target and take you out really quickly. Especially because part of the whole scheme here is Lord Renew is trying to steal like weapon contracts from other houses. Um so as houses are buying weapons, Renew's trying to like get in on that. Um he could become a target for well if house a is buying weapons from renew instead of attacking house a i could just attack renew right because he has no deliberate allies so mm-hmm. ellen is specifically saying you need to leave vin on the other hand is saying uh Chandelarial is out to get you you need to leave um and neither one of them are taking the other's word very seriously because neither one of them plans on leaving anytime soon it does seem that Kelsier's plan is at least working, though. One of the things they say in a couple chapters ago of what they're going to do is, you know, well, we've we've lost our army, but the good news is the garrison is gone. So we we lost one asset, but we kind of achieved one of our objectives. The other major objective that we have to achieve if we're going to go forward to this is house war. And the fact that Ellen is so worried and is so kind of spun up about this is pretty clear evidence that the house war is working, that we are on the verge of all-out war between the noble houses. Yeah. And it's been told to us that this is not the type of thing that the Lord Ruler actively suppresses. He actually allows house wars because he's afraid, or because, for whatever reason, I guess, um, Every, about every 100 years or so, or maybe two every 100 years or so, um, he allows house wars that so people fight each other. So this is not an event that might be stopped by the Lord Ruler. This is a real threat to specifically Ellen. Ellen's friends tell him that Vin doesn't actually leave the city at night. They They track her carriage, and... Part of Vin's uh, schedule is she takes carriages back and forth from uh, the manor, and that's all very public. But one one night she didn't actually go back to the manor; she just went to Clubs' shop, and so they there was a spy tracking her carriage, and they found out that she was not actually at the gate when the carriage left to go to the manor. So, um, there Vin's whistle is blown, at least a little bit. Have we reached reached the 
the point in the the romance story where the two lovers get suspicious of each other they they had the the moment where they realized they had a connection and now something comes between them we're about at that page count i would say we're past halfway through like a decent ways now right like we're really far in yep so yeah i think this is a good time for that are we gonna get the uh stereotypical lovers must choose sides dilemma is that going to be our climax of this story is Finn and Ellen have to choose are they loyal to their causes or do they choose each other and does one cross the lines good question I if this was a typical Romeo and Juliet story I would say that Vin would have to be a part of another noble house but she's I guess part of the rebellion which you could argue is another faction all in, on its own so I don't know maybe I, I realize I'm asking two people who have already read this book. <laughs> so, that is... I, I know you, I, I'm, I'm asking a rhetorical non-rhetorical I don't know what the phrase is I'm asking a question you can't answer so I'm really asking myself and yes that is an unfortunate we, flaw of the format here I, I think we I can see us very much headed towards the choose sides dilemma yeah. the does does Finn try and support Ellen and go down the path of not every noble is a terrible person? Or is she going to have to sacrifice Ellen for Pelsier's cause of overthrowing the Empire? We get our very first Ellen point of view um, in Chapter 26. Ellen is got a couple of drinks in him after meeting with his pals. And one of his friends i don't remember which one jasties i think is his name um he's the one that plants the seed uh in ellen's mind of you need to be suspicious of vin um she got way too close to you way too fast and then ellen goes home uh talks to his dad who his dad is in a study with the venture chondra or the the chondra uh, Elliot, do you have it in front of you? What What's the terminology? I was going to look for it. I don't have it in front of me, other than like Ellen is kind of afraid of or disgusted by the, the thing. Yeah, if it, I'll give you a little bit to find it. If you could find it, that'd be great. Um, but he drunkenly goes and talks to his dad. His dad says, you need to go have di dinner with this girl. We need to make an alliance. And Ellen says, yep, won't do that. Um, and then goes to his his room, which Jassy's is actually there waiting for him, and gives him the news that Vin is not who, or that Vellette is not who Ellen thinks he, she is. I did find the reference to the Conjure, if you want me to, to read it. Yeah, about a paragraph there, if you could, about the Conjure. Yeah. There's a specific descriptor that I'm wondering. Yeah, so this is Ellen's perspective. He turned and walked into the study. His father sat in his chair, speaking quietly with Ten Soon, the Venture Chondra. Ellen still wasn't used to the creature's most recent body, which had once belonged to a servant in the Hasting household. Ellen shivered as it noticed him. It bowed and then retreated from the room. So, brief, brief mention, but I, it, it has a name, apparently. Although our other Chondra that we know of, I mean, also has a name of the person it's impersonating. Right. So not sure not sure what that name tells us. Maybe the interesting information there would be 
the creature's most recent body. Yes. As if like this is a this is a being that kind of can inhabit bodies. Maybe given some of our previous context, you could conclude that it inhabits deceased bodies, bodies where the the inhabitant soul has has left. And the conjurer can kind of come in and say, yeah, thanks, I'll take this and uh, continue on. <laughs> it makes you wonder what happened to uh, Lord Renew, I, I think. <laughs> oh, he, he's very dead. That's been clear for a long time. Yes. Anything else from 28? We, we just get a couple uh, couple name drops. I I think I think the, we're about to get quite the ramp up in our story here. But not not quite right at the end of 28. I I thought at the end of part three, chapter 25, with the army coming out of hiding, that we might be launching into full Sanderlanch. I think, given these chapters we just read, maybe it's not quite. Maybe that was just our our, our brief kind of get ready for the Sanderlanch. I feel like, based on my experience with Brandon, we probably have not hit the full drop yet. Anything not else? to be a yeah, not to be a Debbie Downer, if you will, but I think it's chapter twenty-eight. I don't actually remember. It's one of these chapters. We see more so why Ellen uh, kind of disdains his father. Yeah. Um, and that was honestly tough. Like that. That was for me one of the most emotionally like impactful scenes of just like how corrupt, how evil Ellen's father is. Um. What is it, Straff? Straff venture. Straff venture, yes. Uh huh. And yeah, th- that's basically all I have to say. Is he just seems like absolutely wicked, like like just cruel, um, and everything. Just the way he talks to Ellen, the way he's like caused harm, and, and just just a lot. Like there's a lot of very serious abuse going on. So I take it you're uh, not going to name your firstborn Straff. No, not my firstborn. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> not, not a quick middle name there? Nope, not quite. <laughs> no, yeah, I'll have to finish the story. Okay. Fair. Anything else before we get into brief Stormlight stuff? I don't know if there's too much. Nothing else here. I'm excited for getting into the final kind of segment of this this story. I feel like I'm not, I, I really am not sure what's going to happen. I really am not. I was, any, I was thrown for a loop Any quick predictions by... before we Really oh launched into part I four. Like, I feel like in Stormlight, I had a few like you know, spot on. Oh my gosh, he's so smart! Predictions, and then now I'm completely ruining my record with some pretty not great predictions here in Mistborn. So, well, I... I'll go ahead and put the Stormlight spoiler right here. Um, in Stormlight, you get a lot. You, you get a lot of like initial like teasers to where. You're, you really could forecast quite a quite a bit. Here you get a teaser and then the next episode you get an explanation. And then you, the next chapter you get a teaser and then the next episode you get an explanation. So I feel like a lot of your potential predictions have actually already been answered for you. Yeah, that's possible. Or I'm just lucky when I read Stormlight and unlucky when I read Mistborn. I think that's it, actually. I think that's the one. Yep. Same. I kind of want to kick off our Cosmere part, if you don't mind. Go for it. Um, I've had a thought that's kind of been burning in my mind for a little while. So, Elliot, earlier on in our story, you kind of 
mentioned so so looking at Warbreaker and the Lord Ruler, right? We kind of learned that Sisebron is kind of a sham. Like he he does have all these breaths, but they've been kind of he has them but he can't use them. And we kind of see a little bit of conniving in the background and all this stuff. And you made a comment before that you don't really think the Lord Ruler is all powerful that you think there's something kind of going on behind the scenes. I'm curious to know what you think about that now. I mean, chapter 26 is a great example for me of this theory. If the Lord Ruler wanted to, he could be a very public figure at the public executions. Right. He could be the one standing there making the proclamation. He could be the one executing people if he really wanted to like make a statement or you know, put a little bit of pomp and circumstance behind it. I feel like that would be more powerful even to be a public presence here at these types of events. But that's not what happens. What really happens is carriage with a closed door sits there on the side of the, the what's going on. And briefly, the door of the carriage opens and all you see is a shadowy figure inside. Like, all of that just screams to me, why aren't you showing yourself? Right. Why why the the secrecy here? You you are in charge of all of this. You are the god of this planet. And yet no one ever sees you. Suspicious. Especially Very after hearing suspicious. this whole I feel like we heard this whole stint about him wearing like metal and jewelry and stuff yeah. to kind of almost like flaunt. You know, just for flaunt, it, like partly for style, but that's how I took it was it's yeah, I'm gonna wear metal and you still can't do anything. I maybe a counter argument to my suspicion would be it seems like there are characters who do get to see the Lord Ruler. And that's a good example right there of like the nobles are familiar with what he wears and what he does, and they they don't speak of him like he's a shadowy figure they've never seen. They speak of him as if, oh yeah, I've been to his parties. Or like Kelsier, I think, has come face to face with the Lord Ruler. He yeah. almost speaks of him as like he knows him sometimes. And so it's not like the person does not exist. It's just highly suspicious the way it's all playing out. Like, is the is the being in the carriage that's soothing the entire crowd a different being than what like they come across at parties? You know, things like this that that Scenarios like that are possible, given the evidence of what we've seen, which is why I'm very much on the train of something is not what it seems here. Does that answer your question, Paul? It does, yes. Okay. <laughs> do, do they just not have silver and aluminum on Scadrial? Or what's up? Because the, the, what prompted this thought in my head was they have gold. They and Vin burns gold and i think this is one of the first mentions of gold um and so they made me think well what about silver we've seen silver in the past and this is mis this is metal world so where's aluminum and silver and what do they do so we've talked about aluminum before is almost being like anti-magic in a way yeah i wonder if that's the case if they have it but they just assume it has no elementic power because it, like rep so, yeah elementic power thought i said stormlight again um because it like repels it, it doesn't like provide it. If that makes sense, I, I can see that being the case. If they just think it's like worthless, because 
it doesn't provide an innate power, it more so repels. I wonder if it could be in the similar vein of like anti-void light, where if you burn it, then it like actively harms the elements or who burns it, we just haven't well, I think that's the description that Kelsier gives of all non-alimantic metals. Right. Right? He basically says, don't burn anything other than these because it'll do damage to you. Yeah. So I don't I don't know if they have aluminum and silver, and those are just like metals in those categories that they're not alimantic. Therefore, if you burn them, it does bad things to you, so they don't really care about them from an alimantic perspective. But yeah, I'm, I'm still very surprised. Going into this book, with the experience and the other stories that we had read and those being the predominant metals that we had seen interacting with magic investiture i was 100 percent sure 100 percent sure that those two would be part of the magic system here that they would be a big player in the story yeah and we're three quarters of the way done and not either one of them has been mentioned once that i that I've noticed either. Very surprising. Very surprising. Anything else? I can understand what Elliot's saying because I feel like the times that we made nods when we were reading Stormlight to like, oh, metals, Scadrial, like we made a couple little nods. We're like surrounding stuff like this. So Elliot's like, oh, ooh, ooh. that's when I'm going to learn what yeah. <laughs> aluminum is and what silver is, you know, more so, like more unfold that. And it's the ones that we don't learn about, which is honestly really ironic. I also would not be surprised at all if we're getting the basics in book one and, you know, how aluminum plays into this magic system is is Alamancy 201, not Alamancy 101, and so it might come up later. That's what I was about to pry out of you. Is there, can I get a prediction? Is silver and Alamance, and is silver and, why can I never come up with aluminum? Aluminum? Off the top of my head. Are those two metals coming up before the end of Era 1? Era 1? Um, Book 3. Yeah. They, they are not going to be major players in, in this book. Okay. I think we would have seen them before now if they were. But I think they will come in before the end of Era 1. Yes. Sounds good. At least, at least let me clarify. At least aluminum. I could see okay. silver being a slightly unique one and that maybe silver is different and that silver's power is maybe unique to threnody or something like that but aluminum being like the this metal acts specifically with investiture differently than everything else i feel like that has to come into this story it has to be a part of alamancy somehow is aluminum an element or is it an alloy it's an element okay i think it is an element yeah so so okay Anything else, gentlemen? Nada. All right. Thanks for joining me, Paul and Elliot. We can reconvene next week. We have a shop that launched last week. Go check it out. Ta-ta for now. Until the sun rises again. <laughs>